0: welcome to unedited our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing brought to you by myself diana bang and the lovely grace hill from fashion beauty and homeware diana and
1: i will cover industry topics that will shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future
0: how are you grace you're looking lovely in your leather blazer Oh, well, don't let
1: the leather blazer fool you. I mean, this is like the reason to dress up as recording a podcast episode at the moment. I feel like I'm not leaving my flat and especially with a 10pm curfew to contend with. But yeah, I've been decorating, painting walls. So I thought I have to do something productive with my with my time being confined to these four walls. So yeah, so <laughs> hopefully you can't see the uh, paint splatter all over me. That's probably in my hair, but
0: I was trying to do DIY as well. And I've been starting to knit some more over the weekend. And I was trying to watch the Savage Fenty show and you cannot multitask watching the Savage Fenty show on Amazon because it's just so <laughs> mesmerizing. I couldn't knit and watch it at the same time. I had to start oh my, my hitting. I,
1: I have to watch that show because I saw Bella Hadid had put that photo up and I was like, Oh my God, she looks incredible. So no, I really need to uh, fire up my prime membership
0: online well they have a lot of I mean there's so many different you know shapes and sizes and it's just so there's so much context to everything that she talks about that you, you just feel empowered coming out of it and you know with the runway shows as well Versace had plus size models for the first time as well it just seems like there's this inclusivity happening across Shows And videos.
1: and I feel like
0: as well, it's it's not, ju- and there's also the age element
1: as well that we saw mature models making more of a stand on runway shows as well. So I feel like it's been a really exciting runway season. And all of this relates really nicely to what we're going to be talking about on today's episode, where we'll be talking about the digitalization of fashion shows and the important runway trends that have come from them.
0: So on today's podcast, we have Alex Badia, Style Director at Women's Wear Daily, Welcome, Alex. It's so great to have you. How's everything in New York?
2: Well, today is a beautiful day. It's it's around, a prob- it's about 23 degrees centigrade. It's sunny. It feels like anything is possible. So I'm very happy about it. And I walked to work. So it was kind of, yeah, I had a good feeling. New York is a great city. I love it. I love it here.
0: It's like, you know, just like a, a normal sunny day. Like there's not, there isn't a pandemic at the moment or... <laughs> well, and
2: yeah, I mean, one thing that is for sure, do you see that Obviously, there is constant reminders. People have been very diligent mm-hmm. in wearing masks and social distancing. People have been very, I mean, we had a really difficult time in March and April and May. So we're doing everything we can to prevent that. So there is kind of like a very citizen-aware behavior that feels very comforting, you know?
0: Yeah, it's so
1: interesting. I feel like that's the same in London, that everyone's giving each mm-hmm. other their personal space that you definitely did not have before COVID happened. Everyone was kind of hustling and bustling and pushing each other out of the way on the tube. But no, it's nice to not... To not
2: Absolutely. To. And also the fact that you can find a taxi at all times and you can move around. There's benefits to it, for sure. And you can move around quickly the city is not at a hundred percent obviously, but there are some benefits. You do have more space for sure. Mm,
0: it's like changed our lives, hasn't it? It
2: changed yeah. our lives, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well before we jump into today's topic, we'd mm-hmm. love to hear more about your career, how you became style director at Women's Wear Daily from your Okay,
2: so I was born in Spain in Barcelona. I spend the early part of my youth because I'm still in my youth. I'm on the latter side of my youth later, but it's still in my youth. Um, on my early side of my youth, I grew up in Spain. I um, went to boarding school in England. So in early, early in my career in my life, I mean, I had such an interest on in different cultures and and learning different things. So I was very lucky that my parents allowed me to do that. So I lived in Paris. And in London, and at that time, fashion in London was so defining. The street fashion still is, but street fashion in London for me really shaped me so hard. And I just became obsessed with pop culture and fashion, street from London, and sort of like the fashion industry as a whole. I do think that at that time, British magazines where I speak, the face, and uh, there were so many that really dazed and confused ID mm-hmm. things that really could not wait. And very early on in the game, I realized I wanted to work in a magazine. So I studied business, then I studied communications, and I came to New York with my first job. And it was a big multinational working on the internal magazine. And um, when I came to New York, right at the beginning, it was 1995, so I met someone, so very Spanish of me. I fell in love <laughs> super strongly. Like, you know, when you fall in love at that age, that is like nothing else in the world matters.
0: It seems to be a movie.
2: Well, I made a lot of mistakes in my life, but that was basically the best decisions I ever made because it's been many years and I'm still with the same guy. Hey, it was definitely the right choice to come here. So the moment I landed in New York, I was basically... I mean like I need to go and basically start working on fashion in communication using media like I was already. So I went to FIT at night and once I was done with FIT, I wasn't able even to finish. I started working at Women's Way Daily. That was I think it was nineteen ninety-eight. I was very young, I was an assistant, and then I worked there for like maybe two years. And Oprah Magazine launch. I don't know. You probably are familiar with Oprah Winfrey. She launched magazine, and I met the creative director at an event. There was something about me that he thought is it was special. So he hired me to to help him with the rest of the team to launch O Magazine. We didn't know how the market was going to react. It was initially a four times a year magazine, and it went into a humongous success. It became a 10 times, 12 times a a year book and it became like the most interesting experience. But two years later, Women's Way Daily called me back and offered me kind of a a good job for my age. That was 2002 and I have been here ever since. One of the things that people should know about Women's Way Daily is that we are some sort of a family and they take you when you're young and they shape you and they educate you and they turn you into basically a representative of that brand to carry the legacy and to really work and create content that represents the values and the history of the brand. So the kind of education that you get here that I got is one of a kind. So it really shows you, it's not only about the fashion trends, it's about the history, the context, the education, the evolution. So you really understand when you're looking at a trend, you're not looking at a jacket, you're looking at a history about that jacket, how it's made, what it takes, where it comes from. So it's really much more an insight point of view. That it has become our life-saving grace for surviving all the changes in the media industry and the changes in fashion. Being able to report the news and put that in context has become invaluable today. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to be part of, of the family and continue the legacy of Women's Way Daily is an honor to me.
1: But it sounds like you've had such an amazing opportunity for incredible education in your career as well, and learned so much. And you know, Diana and I have had the, the joy of speaking to different people on this podcast mm-hmm. and just the importance of the history behind specific trends, you know, they don't come from nowhere. There's so much information behind those and I think that's so fascinating.
2: And also when we were part of Conde, we were part of Conde for most part of my career. I collaborated with style.com people. I collaborated with W, with details. So we had so many different angles. And today we're part of PMC that owns Rolling Stone and Variety. And, and now we just signed an agreement with the Hollywood Reporter and Vibe. So I also collaborate with all the other publications. I do shoots for all of them. So I'm very exposed to the music and movie industry and Hollywood industry. Yeah. But when you mix it with fashion, it's really a very in good inside of culture as a whole. Mm-hmm.
1: And could you tell us, Alex, more about your role as style director for Women's By Daily? Yes. What, what are your responsibilities?
2: I just... For- For example, I just came back from seeing a a young designer called Alex Bozzi. He's based in Boston, used to work at Amiri. Amiri is an LA brand. And they just called me because they said, listen, we're ready to speak to you. And I saw him and I can tell that there is something there that is going to be successful and it's going to resonate. And one of the main responsibilities that I have is to basically find the talent Mm -hmm. and to introduce the talent to the fashion industry and also to be able, as I said, to present the new talent in a very specific context and history and put really kind of a case study why this person is someone that we need to look at. It's not enough to say, oh, that's cute, because that is really not my role, although I love saying that's cute. I just think that we have to really understand and be at the forefront of the discovery process mm-hmm. and the new talent in this world. The reason why this is so important is we have experienced through many decades, if you're there at the beginning and you support them when no one knows them, they're going to be there to give you the news when everybody wants them.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
2: several cases to prove it, from McQueen to Galliano, to Tom Ford, to Marc Jacobs, we were there at the beginning when no one knew who they were. So for us to discover them and support them at the beginning of their career is basically an investment that you do in a personal relationship and a business relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, that it's only going to grow, we're going to grow together and we do have a responsibility as well in the fashion industry to help designers and to portray them on the best light. Also, we have a responsibility to tell the truth and to report news as they are. Mm -hmm. And at times it's not great to be writing about bankruptcy after bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. but that's the law of the land. At the same time, when you have a collection that you don't like, we need to be honest and tell the truth about why is this not resonating or why is this a misstep of that designer. But another thing that I do is we're trying to right now package things differently in a very fast moving environment that the media world is. We are it's not enough to just do a fashion shoot because I do all the fashion shoots for Women's Waitley. Yeah. We have a huge history of archives and visual identity mm-hmm. and my main responsibility also is to basically build the archives of now for the future. Anything like we shot the Nicolas Cassier at the Samaritans last week, no, this week, and we just basically are directed, coordinated from here. Normally, I would be in Paris doing it, but it's not possible. So we need to make sure that those moments in which the first show at the Samaritan, during an epic, unprecedented time, we make sure we have the right images to carry us forward for the future. But as I was saying, right now, we need to create and package news differently on any kind of content is not good enough to just do a, a fashion story or just write a, a, a breaking news how we're going to package this mm. how we're going to make it more digestible from a tiktok angle to a moving image video to anything you can imagine a podcast like this one a webinar and a digital summit you name it we are multi platform very specific and strategic in how we develop the content. And that's one of the things that I'm constantly doing. How can we reimagine the way we tell the story?
0: Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast and start to get into your perspective. Because, yeah, with your experience, I think it's going to be super interesting.
2: I think that right now, one of the things that we have to do, and I do feel a responsibility as a journalist, is to present the industry with a new way of consuming media, a new way of presenting news. Otherwise, someone else will.
1: (laughs) And obviously, you've spoken about, you know, repackaging and new ways of consuming information. And I'm assuming, obviously, where Fashion Week has just, Fashion Weeks have just finished, it's been a new experience for yourself, obviously, having to... You know, watch Fashion Month from afar, I guess. So, how has it been different this time around, Alan?
2: I started covering shows in 2002 physically. Yeah. I mean, I've been obsessing over shows since the mid 80s, probably. So, I had a hard time controlling my FOMO. And I've been meditating a lot to not get it out of control. Because when you see a Chanel show like the one, it happened with the Hollywood sign and they're going big and they are basically creating a completely physical experience. You really become like, oh my God, I wish I was there. But to watch it from afar has been such an interesting process for me.
0: almost
2: mm-hmm. aside, I really was able to see, let's say Balenciaga, when they use the video to present... I wear sunglasses at night, and you see all that images and moving video, you understand a different messaging from the designer. For so Debna, for example, obviously he's an 80s music fanatic, not surprised, but you really understand that there is a different type of messaging. The same thing happened with Tom Brown, or even the Loewe show in a box. It's telling you a lot about where we're going as an industry. It's telling you a lot about how people are willing to consume information, as well as the idea of having a physical tactile thing or, or, or object or sample, or even Altazora sending fabric samples. Or I do think that there is such an important need when you see a show to touch things. So I feel that there's been some brands that are at the forefront of that. It's been such an interesting experience to be able to watch all the shows and to go to some of the shows in New York. I went to a few. And to be honest, to be at home, not to have to change clothes all the time, there is something very liberating about that. To be able to play with my cat or yeah. things like that, meet <laughs> me, um, yeah. is kind of great, but there's nothing like a physical show. I'm not going to lie. I just Mm -hmm. think that like, when you go to a show, it's not only about seeing the clothes. It's about being there and Mm -hmm. smelling and and hearing the music and seeing the front row and and going backstage. For me, it's been nearly 20 years. I developed such a relationship with some designers and to go backstage before or after the show because Women's Way Daily gives you unprecedented access to everyone and to witness someone's evolution and to witness someone's inspiration, and to share that, and to listen firsthand. For me, I feel that it's such an honor, and I have missed so much that, as well as talking to friends that you have from all over the world, to catch up with colleagues that you see every six months, to go to have Italian pizza, it's it just, I really miss it. But I have to say, that aside, this has been the most interesting season that I remember. So I will remember this time with good memories. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that going forward, some things will stay. This is not a one-time thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's like what you were saying earlier about with trends that you have to have all the kind of context and there's so much history and information that goes behind it that makes it a trend or even within a show, there's so much behind it that maybe, you know, being there physically, you can get all those, use all your senses to get as much as you can from what the message is at the... Is trying to say so. It was interesting with Jeremy Scott who did the puppet show when you were about. I was thinking that was really interesting. I loved it.
2: genius way of presenting a collection. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that that to create that was more expensive than a real show.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, of course.
2: Because they had to basically hand made. It was couture like everything was handmade. The creation of the puppets. It was so time consuming and so well executed the video. It was so successful in social media as well. So that's what I'm trying to say that there is a a learning process when you see someone's genius move towards digital presentations. That was a genius move.
0: Yeah. And what we wanted to also jump into, I guess, with everything changing now with the fashion shows, but there was that pressure to change the fashion week calendar, even before COVID hit, you know, the spring, summer in August, September time, and the collection is launching in January, you know, through to April. I guess from your perspective, what changes have you seen as a direct impact from the pandemic, which are here to stay for the long term?
2: I think we're going to see a mixture of physical and digital shows. I do think that, for example, when you see the Mutual Prada Rap Simmons moment, in which you see them talking after the show with interviews from all over the world. I don't think that we're going to go back to that moment of craziness at the Prada show after show, when we go backstage and we try to hear and get questions to Mutual Prada. I think that there is an element of democratization of the backstage that I think is going to stay. I do believe that Mutual Prada might be doing that in the future. I think that like the Q&A, it was so successful. It was so insightful. And I like the idea of having like a 10-year-old girl asking a question and getting such a, a great answer about what do I need to do to become a successful designer I never heard Mutu Prada say that. So for me, it was a very insightful way of getting into her mind and to understand what's important for her. I do think that we're going to see a mixture of that physical experience is going to stay for sure. Those big moments that you're going to basically, it's going to make you dream. It might be more exclusive when you do the physical moment, but the digital angle is going to stay. I don't see that going away. I do think that this idea, as I was saying, the Corey Hart, I wear sunglasses at night from Balenciaga, having that great music sort of fashion video, presenting the collection in the streets of Paris at night, it gets such a good message, or even the Tom Brown Olympic Games, Mm -hmm. his vision of it. It's just, it gives you such a theatrics that you really get a different messaging. And if you listen closely you can get a lot of information from someone's inspiration and creation and the process of doing a collection that you probably would miss just by going to a show. So I do like the idea of doing both things because there is definitely a space to elaborate and continue the digital exploration of presenting a collection.
0: Mm,
1: Yeah. And what do you think are going to be the most positive impacts of, of doing both of those? And, and then I guess the challenging elements of that too.
2: I do think that there is also the ability of younger brands to do something that doesn't require the financial expense of yeah. traveling with the, your team. We carry all the clothes to get the models, to do something that is much low tech, low scale, but yet it still be part of a conversation. I do think that I am always, always, always 100% of young designers. I want to be a champion for them. And I do think this opens the doors to designers to be able to present without expense. I also feel that being able to reach a mass amount of people, if you see the numbers that Louis Vuitton, Virgil Upload China show generated in social media uniques, It's unbelievable. So the idea of having a massive impact in numbers of people watching a show is really going to have long-lasting impact in culture. I don't think that we understand yet the impact of digital shows at the level of how is that going to permeate in culture as a whole. If you love it or hate it, but Emily in Paris a must-watch show, I don't know if you've seen it, mm-hmm. is The Ultimate Guilty Pleasure. I just did a whole story about Emily's outfits. <laughs> Obviously, I have an incredible weakness for Pat Field. But yeah. when you see the impact that fashion has had in culture, that's a summary of where we are today with fashion. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's so interesting, the idea of the influencers, the, the, the idea of Instagram, things that we take for granted. But I think that it's only gonna be much bigger. And I do things like Emily in Paris is basically the starting line of where we
0: are. Yeah. What well, you were saying, Alex, as well earlier about younger brands and having to travel less and not having to having the finances of these big brands. I you mean, know, back in May that, you know, Dries Van Noten and the chief executive of Lane Crawford and Altusara, they went on a Zoom call and she wrote this open letter about the change that was needed in the industry. You know, talking about an end to early discounts and product waste and things that could provide that positive impact from a sustainability perspective. So, yeah, from your perspective, we'd love to hear more about that from a sustainability point of view. What are the kind of positive impacts that you've seen?
2: I feel today, if you don't have a sustainability angle or process or objective, you're not going to survive. I mean, I do think sustainability... It's not a political agenda, as they make it. They're trying to make it sound here in America. I just think that sustainability is a must. We need to change the way we do things. We need to become socially responsible in the creation of garments. It is not a secret that we, in general, the fashion industry, has overproduced. Over and over again, there is a way of be very conscious and have a successful business. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Stella McCartney is such a great example. But if I want to talk to you about Reese Cooper, he's this young designer that is based in LA. He was going, starting to grow really quickly. All his orders were canceled because of the pandemic. And he was basically left with all this dead stock of fabric mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So he's like, what am I going to do? I have a social responsibility. What can I do with this thing? So he decided to do a do-it-yourself video, create patterns, and create a do-it-yourself kit, then post it on social, and he sold out of everything and made more revenue that way than he would have ever done just selling to retailers. So for me, that is kind of like and he did the video with his iPhone. He edited it with iMovie. He did it all himself. So this is basically the attitude that we need going forward. There is okay. not such as waste anymore. There is a way that you can do it. There is so many new stores in New York City of vintage secondhand stores right now. Again. Alex Bosi, I'm just telling you about this, this last two designers I've just seen because mm-hmm. I, I, obviously we can talk about the initiative of larger LDMH brands. But when you go to the young, brand new people, you get the psyche of the youth. And that's important. He was showing me all these recycled t-shirts that he's bedazzling. And in the past, you would have thought, Oh, whatever. Now is part of a message, part of the DNA and to be honest the t-shirts are really expensive they look really great and I want to pay for that because you know there is many ways of reinventing existing piece of clothing the same thing with denim, repurposing denim, it's like Heron Preston just did a big collaboration with Levi's that he did, it's endless there's so many things we can do, there is no how can I say this, it's just there's no excuses, we need to do it I, I mean, I am such a big advocate of saving the planet. <laughs> it's kind of everyone's responsibility. I, I personally feel there is no choice. Yeah. It's just we need... And everything that you can do, like you want to maybe just go into investment pieces and decide, okay, these are the, the, the shoes, this is the bag, and just go for the one item, do it. Because mm-hmm. all this helps. I do think that... Everybody has a responsibility, not only designers, also consumers.
1: Absolutely. I think there's no doubt about it, isn't it? And like everything you've just said, the passion of the importance of respecting our planet and you know preserving it for future generations. And I think there was that terrifying stat that Order reported that just the buyers, designers alone contributed to I think it was 240,000 tons of CO2 emissions a year just from attending the major fashion weeks across New York, Paris, Milan, and London. Enough energy to light up Times Square for 58 years. I mean, it's, it's terrifying to hear that stat. But then you then hear the other side of that, which is According to launch metrics, that London Fashion Week had a huge decrease in buzz. So there was kind of fifty-five percent less social media impressions and engagement from it being digitalized. So from your perspective, Alex, is there that sweet spot between digital and physical fashion shows?
2: Listen, I don't have the the exact answer, but I do think that there has to be a way of reaching a compromise. You want to benefit economies, city of Milan, the city of Paris gain so much money from mm-hmm. the people going there during Fashion Week and you want those people to everybody I want everybody to win, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: I do think we need to understand there has to be a compromise. We don't need seven or eight collections per brand every year. We just don't need that. I mean that's what I feel. But at the same time I understand the need of a fashion week. So it's just a matter of finding that sweet spot and that balance between newness, creativity, and also responsibility. So Mm -hmm. I I just think that we are in the process. These conversations were basically rumblings in the past. Right now is at the center stage of fashion. Being aware is 50%. So we are going towards the other 50% right now. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we need everyone's help. Obviously, decision makers have a lot to do, but we need everyone's help.
0: Yeah. That's what you were saying with the number of shows because Gucci announced that they wouldn't follow the traditional fashion calendar and they were cutting from five to two shows and they called it that they were going seasonless and that closed should have a longer life than being attributed to a season or the word of a season. So how do you anticipate that in the frequency and the cadence of shows changing in the long term?
2: You know, when you go to shows, to see a collection, and then from then to the moment you walk into a store and you see something, you've seen so many other things from that brand that you like, wait a minute, how old is this? When you walk into the shop floor, this is, I just, I, it feels like decades ago. But that shows you the kind of crazy speed that we were under. And I do think that we need a change. I think that less shows, less seasons is definitely going to be the case. I think that at times co-ed is a good idea. Sometimes it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. You want to also, menswear as a business is growing really quickly. There is a lot of developments there. And at times, maybe doing a co-ed show doesn't make sense for a brand. But if, whenever you can, like the Gucci world, in which it's an immersive experience mm-hmm. about a lifestyle, about a concept in which men and women coexist seamlessly, then yes. Mm-hmm. But In other times, maybe you just want to do something that is so specific. And then I understand, I think designers should have the freedom, but it needs to be with a level of responsibility and consciousness. I think that the future of Fashion weeks is, as I said, there's going to be less shows, maybe less people go, but there's some things we cannot stop. The, the social media frenzy, the idea of the influencer, the multi-platform, those things will generate more people as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. I do think that it is finding the right balance. I feel that in the case of Gucci, Gucci is a leader. It's mm-hmm. one of the leaders. So it, it, it's always very good to see what Gucci does, as an example, as a case study of what is success. So mm-hmm. when you see them doing it over and over and succeeding, and I don't know I hope they are, it opens the door for other people to say, wait a minute, I wanna do the same thing. Because it's not it's incredible, for example, what Helmut Lang did in the late odds, in the early in the, in the early aughts, late nineties, when one day he said, I wanna be at the forefront of fashion. I wanna move the Fashion Week of New York to the beginning of the cycle, not at the end. And mm-hmm. him alone said, I'm showing in September. I'm not showing up to Paris. And one key designer changed the history of Fashion Week in New York. So he did that and everyone else followed. So it is very important when you're at the leading of the pack to be very aware of your responsibility and to take actions to make necessary changes. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everyone else to think on their own DNA, their own messaging. Is that possible for me too?
1: Totally. I think, like, as you said, like, you know this has given us the opportunity to almost press the reset button and enable people to think differently and you know these brands do have such huge responsibility and and give the opportunity to others to potentially follow and as you said, if they continue to be successful, why not? obviously we've had Milan Fashion Week where many of the shows and Paris, but many of the shows were physical do you predict there being a commercial impact on the fact that these brands were able to show physically versus maybe London Fashion Week where there were many brands that were showing
0: digitally?
2: I mean, we will see. Obviously, we will see. But if they're smart on the communications, on the social media interactions, in their activations and promotions, if the buyers are buying digitally their collections, and they are also great retail partners that might not have as big of an effect as it would have been in the past. I do think the direct-to-consumer relationship of brands is key right now to keep that message going and to really develop an element, a moment of trust and dialogue. I do think that this is a challenge for brands. They need Women's Way Daily. They need the consumer magazines. They need all the different promotional enhancing of messages outlets as possible. It is a challenge for them, but it's doable.
0: Yeah. But that's interesting because obviously back in the day, it was exclusive only for press and for buyers and for the VIPs. And that audience has shifted, like you say, direct to the end consumer. Mm -hmm. What do you feel or have you even seen like our innovative ways that brands are driving engagement with consumers during the shows, physically and digitally?
2: I mean, I do feel, for example, the storytelling for Louis Vuitton Virgil, the idea that the show left on a boat in containers from Paris and then got to Shanghai. And then it was like, oh my God, it's such a story that is being told. And then he had this incredible inflatable toys that are the collaboration with the, with the artist. It's such a great concept and I think that Virgil Ablo is a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. So I did you take that obviously they have the resources, the money, but you can do that much smaller. I do think that right now, engaging your consumer, your public with a great messaging, great storytelling, and just being ingenious of like obviously In the case of Loewe, for example, to engage the the industry with the show in a box, for Mm -hmm. example. It's really everything that they do. I mean, Jonathan Anderson is such a great speaker. They dropped that video that has been seen so many times. In the same thing, the same thing happened with Dior. The amount of people that saw that show around the world. There is a way of doing it. Obviously, the big brands have the upper hand. Let's not lie. Because they have the names, they have the access. But listen, even Tom Brown was very successful with his digital presentation. I think there is a way of doing it. But again, I understand it's really challenging for the small brands. But Mm -hmm. there is a way to do it. In the case of Fear of God, I don't know if you guys know that brand, they just did this great collaboration with Hermenegildo Zegna for a new collection capsule. And they did this activation in social with Zenya, And the collection was so well received and they're doing so well. There's different ways of creating buzz and engaging the audience. And it's just about thinking outside the box.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think I was talking to my co- colleague, Joel from the Paris office, that we're doing a video for Women's Way Daily about trends and highlights of the season tomorrow together. And uh, she was physically there. And she was talking to me about some of the highlights. And Gabriella Hurst um, was the first time that she showed in Paris. And she also was the only one that served food because obviously there were so many precautions. And it was done very, very well, very COVID, under the COVID regulations of Paris. But she spoke, Joelle, about how good it felt to... Basically, eat at, at, at a like with a group of friends at a show. Very socially again, the social distancing was there. Everything was so well done. But Gabriela Hurst went the extra mile to really curate the food. I do feel that those experiences are really key.
1: Totally, I feel like you know those pillars of community, whether that's food or music, the things that bring people together, are there any other kind of noteworthy themes that you saw from digital shows or the physical shows that kind of caught your attention this year?
2: I think that like some of the videos that I saw from, again, the idea of the Loewe show in a box, in my case, with the fashion industry, the idea to be able to witness the beginning of a creation process and to see the whole process in a box is really good. But look at what happened with the the Harry Styles sweater from JW Anderson. I thought the phenomenon was super intelligent. He saw that trending online and he decided, wait a minute, I can teach people how to do this on their own. And he did a how-to video and put the pattern out there. And then all these people started posting about, I made my own Harry Styles patchwork sweater cardigan. And thank you so much. And I spoke to Jonathan about it. And he was like, I wasn't expecting this kind of response. So even if you involve the larger audience into something like make your own sweater... It's kind of amazing because before everything happened on the closed doors, it was like mm-hmm. the magic potion, the behind the closed doors of the atelier. You no one can, no one is able to see it. But the level of transparency doesn't take away anything from the secret or the mystique. It really just adds even more because mm-hmm. you are educating people and you are basically inviting everybody to the party. But I do think that for me, that moment of him doing that for like do it yourself sweater was such a like uh aha moment and it warmed my heart in a way because it shows you also the way of the future. Mm -hmm. I do think that like doing things behind closed doors it just doesn't work anymore. Yes, we do want to have that level of mystique and I understand but there is a way of doing it both ways, you know? That was one of the things that I can relate the most. Obviously at some I, I cannot remember exactly, but people have shared Pod, like music, Spotify music list of uh, this is the music that I am very inspired by now. And again, the food for me was the most remarkable thing that happened this Fashion Week.
0: Like Grace was saying earlier about how the, the buzz decreased actually for London Fashion Week. A lot of shows going digitally and on average, digital shows and videos and presentation, we've seen have generated less or less than one third as much online engagement as real life shows. So what do you think is the lesson learned for brands for future season, knowing that? Listen, with, oh, depends let, on pandemic isn't going anywhere. So.
2: Let's, talk, let's use Chanel as a, as a case study. Again, you're going to criticize it. I'm going to criticize it. Chanel has incredible resources. But something that a lot of people didn't know is that Chanel did a virtual front row. Mm-hmm. So how was that? So they did and they took some of their key ambassadors and they sent them clothes. They took pictures themselves wearing the clothes and watching the collection. And they used basically images of major celebrities wearing Chanel, sitting at their home, pretending to be front row. Was that expensive for Chanel? Probably. Was that much less expensive than flying the celebrity, putting them in like hair, and makeup, cars, hotel? Absolutely. Can a younger brand do something like this to create engagement? Absolutely. I think that like, even if you see what Balman Olivier Gasquire did with Balman and the digital front row as well, because here's the thing, celebrity is not going to go away. I mean, whatever people say, where celebrity culture is going to stay, that I do encourage all designers to try to develop organic relationships with some opinion leaders and celebrities to be ingenious in the way they think about their marketing, about digital front rows. Listen, I understand. I really will do anything that is in my power to promote London Fashion Week because I have a soft spot. I have discovered so many amazing designers in the Fashion Week. Alone, even in the menswear arena, it's been so successful. And I am, for example, Charles Jeffrey is I have such a sweet spot for him. There's so many things that you can talk about London Fashion Week that they bring to the table mm-hmm. that early stages of what's going to become a major designer. Look at Kim Jones, for example. Mm-hmm. London Fashion Week is the beginning. Of one, most of the time, some of the greatest names in fashion. You need to really pay attention there because it's the incubation period. The street style in London, it's so important as well in the world and of fashion. I do think that I'll do anything I can in the future to really pay a lot of attention. I always have. And I do think that there is a way of, you guys are doing it here right now we are all basically trying to push London Fashion Week. And I do do the same with New York Fashion Week. We are maybe not at the best times of our fashion weeks, but we have a responsibility to push it forward. But I do encourage younger designers to look at the bigger brands, to think, how can I do this in my own scale? I mean, I I just felt that even Mew Mew again, we're talking about humongous brands. Mm-hmm. Having Kate Moss' daughter debuted in that collection that felt so 90s, such a smart move. Again, we're talking about a big brand. But listen, I cannot remember now the name of the designer that had the Queen of England at the front row.
1: Richard Quinn, wasn't it? Right. Thank
2: you. <laughs> I mean, not every day you can have the Queen of England at your show, trust <laughs> me. There are many ways. It's about thinking outside the box. It's about being ingenious and just trying to do different things. I really, really just wish the best for London Fashion Week designers. And because again, they have shaped me so much on my vision. And every day I pay so much attention to what happens in London. Also London retailers they also need to be credited to be so in the forefront of that business. You don't even have to think of Selfridges or or, or Harrods or Harvey Nichols. You need to, LNCC, there's so many other, independent retailers that they do such an incredible job of of presenting a new retail experience. Mm -hmm. I do think that those London local retailers have also responsibility and they are doing a great job of presenting new independent designers. But going forward, maybe they can use those retailers as platforms to communicate. And I I mean, they are doing a lot of things, but maybe Selfridges needs to get involved. Maybe, I, I have no idea. I'm just saying that when it comes to the, the London retail scene and the the England retail scene, they're so, at times, ahead of its time. It's really, it's remarkable. I mean, you cannot leave London without going to one of those small boutiques that are have the most incredible assortment. I, for me, it's like such a great edited product lineup. I, I do think that involving the London retailers, it's a good idea,
1: basically. Oh, definitely. And obviously, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about packaging the, the media and, and, and how people are digesting the digital shows and obviously engaging the consumer and, and the audience size, even though there are some great lessons to have been learned. But. Eva Chen created a playbook that was about, you know, how to host digital fashion shows for brands. But we'd love to get your perspective on this and whether you think digitalization means exclusively Instagram or YouTube, or are there other video platforms that brands should really be considering hosting virtual shows on?
2: Obviously, Instagram is the biggest magazine in the world. Instagram yeah. is basically the vessel of all things happening right now. But we, I'm collaborating closely with TikTok. TikTok has had an incredible success on streaming fashion shows. Some brands have allied themselves with TikTok and they have incredible results. TikTok is something that we need to really collaborate and learn from. I do think also they are really challenging the way fashion editorial is created, how fashion editorial is consumed. I do think the fast-moving, kind of like silly music-involved image creation, it's really changing the landscape of media. I do think that the idea of having a TikTok fashion week, it's something that we should also think about. It's really engaging a much younger community. I think there is a, such a different concept. I feel that YouTube is something that is also exploding. I want to really think of Netflix and Spotify as platforms that are coming our way. And I do think that Amazon fashion is also something that we really need to consider as an allied. I believe that Instagram is obviously, as I said, the present. But something is coming that is going to make it much more democratic. And we need to think of other platforms that are existing that they see the amount of engagement from some of the shows that we have mentioned already that are definitely going to go into that and do something. I feel that Spotify is such an interesting platform that at the moment that they develop more the Spotify video, It's just only going to grow, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we know YouTube and all these things. I I think that these are all incredible opportunities for new brands to basically do things from their home and that reach millions of people. When you're in TikTok, you're, you're reaching such a different demographic and generation. And the way you present content is so different. Even if you see what's working, what's not working... It's not only about, you know, you jump and you change outfits. That, that is kind of funny, but like it might get old kind of quickly. But I think that the way you can educate people, the element of education, the people, the kind of information that people want to digest. We early days TikTok, again, I am a complete fanatic of Instagram. And I use Instagram every day, nonstop. But I do think there's much more things that you can do. And there's so many different platforms because Instagram, unfortunately, is saturated, you know, and it's difficult to break through. There's so much of it. And it's so difficult to compete with people that have huge budgets. I do think that the great thing about other platforms, you can do a lot with less.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking when you said Amazon, that was watching the Savage Fenty you know, Rihanna's show on Amazon and I was gonna, I've just started knitting and you cannot multitask while watching the Savage Fenty show. I was trying to knit and watch the show and I was like, I cannot, I have to just watch the screen here because this is too mesmerizing. It was amazing.
2: (laughs) You can see then now that like, that's a fashion show, but it's like, it's also a cultural moment Mm -hmm. that really defines where we are. I mean, in terms of inclusivity, when it comes to music, it's like unbelievable And how that market of lingerie and underwear has evolved from the Victoria's Secret (laughs) moment that was five minutes ago. It's so remarkable because it just really blows your mind. And you understand why Rihanna is not coming out with new music as much as we all hate it because we love her singing and dancing. But my God, her role right now in culture, I think is stronger than ever much more than a music video of a new album. She's basically changing the perception of what needs to be done. And of course, there's some mistakes that are being made on the process, but who cares at the end of the day, her intentions and her vision. It's so amazing.
0: Yeah. The many things are changing. And I think what we want to talk about as well is like, there's so many trends and things that are happening, especially now that we've just finished the spring summer shows. We saw like the house dress being one of the biggest trends, but It's interesting now that they've finished. It'd be good to hear from your point of view. What are the top trends that you've seen emerge from the September shows so far?
2: Okay. Number one was like a sense of joy. Like joy. There was such a need for escapism. You saw it even with Isabel Morant, you know? Isabel Morant is like accessible fashion, interesting price point, but it's like volume, color, metallics daywear really cool moments and and like bright colors and prints and then you saw the same thing like in Marni let's say there was like bright colors you saw neon all of the Milan fashion week Loewe had like great floral patterns and it's just like people want to have a good time at the end they want to escape they want to forget about things you had like also a new femininity we spoke about Moschino for example Moschino was like Great example of femininity. You saw like the idea of a uniform. As much as you see that Dior is repetitive, that bohemian aesthetic, it yeah. is a uniform. If you think about it, obviously the queen of and king of uniforms, Rap Simons, Mutual Prada, it was all about 90s uniforms. Mm-hmm. If you talk about 90s, there was a huge 90s moment. If you like Christina Aguilera and Ginny on a bottle, you are in luck because she's back. I mean that aesthetic of the one Stefani, the crop top is back. I mean, yeah. I love a crop top. I yeah. mean, in New York, you know, have Christian Siriano with the crop tops. You had it on even in Hermes. The minimal construction, mm-hmm. the crop, the, the die cuts, the open back. All this was like a very Helmut Lang sort of construction, asymmet like the asymmetric die cuts. So like nineties again, new meal, super nineties. Kate Moss' daughter, debuting in that show. Nothing is more 90s than that in terms of throwback. We talk about Gabriela Hurst, the craftsmanship of the crochet dresses, talking about a new sensuality for women. Again, the crop tops a new example of the bridge between 90s and sensuality, a lot of Zoom call ready elements, big volume sleeves, again, a lot of Loewe in there, but you have a lot of lace all over, neck details, very Zoom ready. I think that they are very interesting trends and also obviously reflects of our times. It's basically that apocalyptic, happy point of view of recurrence with the face coverings. Yes. Milk, beautiful drapes of like pink. And I, I love that idea of like the big shoulder with the big mask and the sunglasses. It's very like glamour and of the world that is in a way very protective fashion. Even Sad News with Kenzo passing, if you look at their collection, that idea of like the, the protection and, and creating a bubble around you, but with a sense of romanticism it was great. You had like Paco Ravan, also interesting face coverings, but bringing daytime into evening wear with the use of denim. I love denim again. I do think that it's a very insightful way of, okay, you want to invest in a dress so you want to invest in an evening top. You know what? Why don't you bring it on the daytime? You invest in the one piece and you can wear it all the time. I do think that the idea of Paco Ravan that probably is one of my favorite shows of the season of having jeans. It's not about, oh, you need to buy the pack of Raban jeans. But you can. But it's the idea of like, this is the message. Do put jeans with your evening wear. Take it outside. Do evening wear in the daytime. Enjoy. Have fun with fashion. I know it sounds basic, but when you see it on a runway together with everything else, it just sends a very clear message of what you can do with what you have just by adding the one piece. I mean, I obviously think that the Mutual Prada, Ralph Simmons show for a fashion fanatic like I am and many other people around the world. It's very clear, the sense of uniform, the things that are really helping women feel empowered because when you wear a uniform, you feel very secure and very powerful. So I do like that idea. Of doing anything we can to help women and to help people in general, and I do think that that was a very clear message from that show. I mean, there's been so many things. I think it's been a very multi-layered season, full of ideas. And yes, obviously, I miss seeing it all together because Sakai is happening in Japan now, and then Jill Sander is presenting tomorrow. They're dropping the collection, so it, you we still—we're not done. So we want to see more still. Com de is happening also next week. There's things that are constantly still happening, strugglers, but the, the, the message of joy, the message of uniforms, the message of like cozy dressing and be ready for Zoom is, are basically the main messages and trends of the season.
1: Yeah, because that was going to be a question I wanted to ask you is for those retailers who could be listening to this, this podcast, there were so many multi-layered trends that we saw. Like, What would you say are the trends that they must make sure that they're covering for that spring-summer season?
2: I think that it depends a lot on where they are and then what are their needs. But if you Just based on reading the retail roundup and reading from retailers around the world, people have been very consistently talking about the need for escapism and the need of bright colors and playful volumes. That moment of like just buy like a fun top from Isabel Moran and basically have fun, you know, even if you just like having a drink with your friends at home. There is something very cute about that. And also the idea of a new femininity and no sensuality for women. I like that idea as well because it's basically another form of escapism. And I am very biased when it comes to the 90s because for me, probably is my favorite decade. I mean, I love dynasty, but 80s dynasty also, but I do think that minimal clean silhouettes, it's so right for now. It's very close to the uniform dressing. So those will be my main trends to invest
1: I feel like you can't beat that amazing like just black mini from the 90s you know like it just looks incredible but also I think the acne show was one of my favorites because of the show, like that yeah. escapism element of like I was like oh my gosh I would just imagining myself wearing this like netted you know dress like on holiday somewhere or like in Ibiza or something like that which I obviously can't do right now but I I think I fell in love with it because yeah, it took me to a, a happier place.
2: I loved Acne too. And there was that metallic sort of shift dress that felt super Helmut as well. It felt so interesting. I thought Acne also had what you said, the perfect balance of escapism and utility and wearability that it was so interesting. I think Acne is one of those brands that is just consistently interesting and they're part of the conversation. Really relevant in this season. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, And I think to kind of round up like your expertise, I know your your passion for emerging designers and, and young designers, and you've obviously spoken about, you know, Reese Cooper, for example, but who do you think are the designers that we should be looking out for and, and listening to and most exciting and innovative at the moment.
2: There is a designer called Kate in New York. I don't, I don't know if you guys know Kate. Kate Next. is excellent. I thought that she did such an interesting presentation, very dark, very mysterious. You saw another angle of, that's what I was telling you. The clothes, I didn't see the clothes like that before, but when she presented it on a visual display, you saw another angle of her. I think Kate is very interesting. I think I, I spoke about Rhys Cooper. His idea of utility dressing is so interesting. The idea he's imagine an LL bean means a car heart with a young sort of genderless spin. So it's not sort of like it feels really interesting and utilitarian for now that I loved. Another, I mean Gabriella Hurst obviously is another name that is really great, the show in Paris, in, in Paris Fashion Week. I mean, I always love Coperni, Milan-based fashion brand that show in Paris. Very cute, wearable, daytime, interesting price points, excellent messaging. It's something that we really, Coperni, we need to really pay attention. I also love the Attico girls for mm-hmm. that kind of fun cocktail era moment. There's yeah. like a lot of interesting things. I also am very interested as well on redefining what masculinity is. Ludovic is another designer that you need to pay attention to. He's based in Paris. This is like his third or fourth season. And maybe no, more like fourth or fifth season. Very interesting. There's so many names right now. I, I feel that... I mean, obviously, people look at Kate, look at Capernaum, look at the names I say, but... I mean, go to womanswithdaily.com and go to the list of designers. And when you see a name you don't know, the reason why the names are there is because we decided that those are names that you should know. Mm-hmm. So, and we are constantly doing stories about new names. This has been a good season, but New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, it's always a great platform to discover new names. I think this is great.
0: Yeah. My God, Alex, the amount of insights and the amount of like knowledge you've just shared on this podcast has been immense and so interesting to hear And from your perspective. We love to round up with this question; it's quite wide. But what's the one thing that you want our listeners to take away from this episode?
2: I do want to say that my main message is sustainability. Please be responsible with the way you consume fashion. There is many different ways that you can be part of trends and enjoy and be part of the conversation without falling into the crazy cycle of fashion. I do think that investment pieces is a really good way of going. And also trends are really important, but individuality is really important. Mm -hmm. I think that you should really just think of the things that you personally like and just wear it. I mean, I personally love a black t-shirt and I have a house full of clothes, but I do wear a lot of black t-shirts. And I just think that like you need to think of what works for you as a person, what expresses how you feel. Use fashion as a way of having a good time in a responsible way. Dream. It sounds so corny. The main thing that fashion did for me was to be able to escape my reality. I was very lucky in my life and I've been so lucky always. But at times it's been difficult, like it's been for everybody. And I have used fashion as a way of escaping and as a way of like having a good time and dreaming, a a way of bonding with my friends. I can wait to go back to normal and I can go back shopping with my friends. Because Mm -hmm. even though I have first access to a lot of things, there's nothing like going shopping with a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. And having a good time and having a couple of drinks and go shopping. I think that it's such an excellent experience. I feel that responsibility, think about before you shop and buy something that you really love and and, and just express yourself and have friends with have fun with your friends and, and also like get informed, do your research, understand where things come from, understand that when you buy buying a jacket, you're not only buying a jacket, you are subscribing. To someone's beliefs and practices. When you're buying a brioni jacket, you know that that is handmade and the company is very responsible in the way they source their materials. Be informed. And you know, like, just go and buy something that really represents not only how you feel fashion wise, but represents your values as a human.
0: Wonderful notes to end on.
1: I love that, the fact that you subscribe to that brand's beliefs and and values by consuming their products. I think that's a really interesting way to frame your fashion choices. I I just think that
2: right now, if you feel very strongly about what someone is doing, you need to be part of who they are. So... Mm -hmm. The way you are part of who they are is being part of their community and just maybe buying a piece of clothing. Maybe you don't have the money. Just go into their website, go into their Instagram and be part of the conversation. I think that we need the younger generation to be part of the conversation to make the change. There's nothing better than making a purchase to make something change, you know?
0: Beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining the podcast. As a listener of ours,
1: we're here to support you as the retail industry continues to bounce back. If you are a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist and they'll do everything they can to support you. For all of our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to the Insider Briefing. You can sign up at Edited.com where we'll be keeping you all updated on the latest news and strategies.
0: Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Alex, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes and please tell your friends and family about us. And if you have any further questions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Bye. Bye.